How you doing, honey? I'm all worked up. I know. Sup, goofballs? You're listening to Kids Get Acquainted with the Internet, a Girl Meets World podcast. I'm Dan. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Keith. And today we're talking about episode 8 of Girl Meets World, Girl Meets Smackle. And season 2, episode 12 of Boy Meets World, Turn Around. Alright, I guess we're just going to get right into our basic thoughts of Girl Meets Smackle for this episode. Why don't you start, Dan? Well, first of all, welcome back everybody. We're done with the hiatus episodes. We're right into- yeah, I'm glad to have new episodes of Girl Meets World back. So, yeah, no, it was nice to have everybody back. Rowan and uh, Sabrina both did awesome again this episode, as always. It was sort of a mixed bag for me. I think that... Was it a potpourri? Would you call it a potpourri, Dan? Would it be a potpourri? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was a mixed bag. I think that um, Lucas was at his best this episode, that it showed me that there actually is a future for this character to some degree, and Peyton did a lot better than usual. Uh, I was happy with Farkle this episode. Still wasn't, like, super excited about Farkle. Like, his comedy didn't really do a ton for me. But overall, my biggest issue was that uh, Smackle just didn't really do it for me. But I thought some of the themes and stuff were sort of still sort of interesting. I agree. I think Rowan and Sabrina were awesome. And I think, you know, although the character of Lucas was the best that we got, that's not to say that everything he said was a good line. Oh, I agree. There definitely were, about half the lines were the same old, like, I'm a weird narrating character that comes in and just states these overwhelming facts all of a sudden out of the blue but that being said you know there were actual lines that a character in general might have which helps a lot (laughs) it also felt like more those moments were more of a writing issue than acting issue this time no it definitely it definitely was It, it shows that because there were some great moments so i really liked lucas this episode and i had a lot of fun with his character and i definitely think that peyton stepped it up and I loved Riley and Maya, and they had really great moments with each other, and also just really witty moments with the side characters that, I don't know, I feel like just a little dig in. There was a lot of, like, fun... There was good one-liners. Yeah, it was very zingy. Yeah, I agree. They were both both pretty snarky in this episode. Yeah, this episode was full of one-liners, which was really fun. As far as, like, negatives, I think we all are sort of not a fan of the Augie plotline. I think we've all agreed that Augie's best used in addition to somebody else's plotline yeah. as opposed to carrying his own weight. I, I don't want to be hit over the head with an Augie plotline. I want it to be supporting something else in the background in small doses, timed, you know, in a way that doesn't make me feel like it's dragging on. When is this scene going to end? I, and I, that, that said, I do think there were parts of his story, specifically in his opening scene, that I did enjoy, but overall I didn't think it really worked. I don't, I don't like Topanga in the mom role that much, I have to say. Definitely not this episode. Yeah. I mean, I liked a few of her lines, but I just felt like it felt sort of canned. She felt sort of forced in a couple of her, in a couple of her acting choices. I think we need to bring up a really important point about this episode, is that it was directed by Ben Savage. Yep. So some people may have noticed that we had a lot less Corey this episode. Yeah. So that may have to do with him being behind the scenes. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember whether he ever... I I doubt he directed any Boy Meets World. I'm assuming no, because he was too young. Yeah, I, I can't imagine yeah. that he did. Yeah. But, so this might be his directing debut, which would, may, which would make it make sense why he was you know acting so little, because he had to mm-hmm. focus so much on directing. I think he did a pretty good job. It's hard to tell on something like this, because, you know, sitcoms... A lot of the time in sitcoms, directors, what they're told to do is not stand out. 
because you want it to feel like the show that you've always been watching. You don't want it to be like weird and wacky. And so like there was a weird period where, of The Office where they were having like J.J. Abrams and Joss Whedon direct episodes. And it just felt like another episode of The Office. So it's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird thing. I think that because Ben directed this one, that's why there are a couple more casual Boy Meets World references. Yeah. But well, I... how much does the director control Things a reference? Like, that's yeah. a, I mean, isn't that the writers to have the content? Yeah, I think you're probably I'm, right. I think it's really acting, maybe, cho- acting choices. Yeah, it's, it's more like most... stage direction <laughs> and yeah. stuff like that. I think we should talk about Smackle because we barely touched on Smackle. But my biggest issue with Smackle, beyond the fact that I guess her acting was sort of uneven, um, but I, my biggest issue was just that why are we getting an episode so dedicated to a guest character when we still haven't really fleshed out people like Lucas and people like Farkle? And even, like, I mean, I feel like Topanga hasn't gotten a great episode yet in Girl Meets World. Um, so I would have liked more time on these core people before we get into these side people. Oh, I agree. I think that for a supporting character, she didn't support much of the storyline at the same time. We're left with almost a void. Maya and Riley are in the episode, but we don't necessarily empathize with them mm. in particular they're not they don't have an arc this episode they don't have a goal in this episode yeah. really except they like they're helping but they're just like little they're the supporting characters in this episode right so basically smackle becomes the protagonist for an episode and it doesn't really make sense because she doesn't a he has a sort of sociopathic side to her yeah, yeah it's all about the um, manipulation it's all about yeah. the facade smackle never actually progresses or grows as a person in this episode yeah. and her character never actually changes we keep getting moments where we think it does and then in the in the next scene or two she says it's revealed to us that it was a trick and yeah. then we think it happens again and then we're revealed that it's another trick and the thing is i kind of liked the like manipulation side to her character and the fact and like the twists of it but i think it would have worked more if she wasn't as positioned as the protagonist in this episode so like if she was a side character who kept manipulating them and tricking them and it was sort of antagonistic in some way that would make more sense because like that that sort of connects with the boy meets world episode we're going to talk about like if she was in the ingrid position and ingrid keeps like sort of messing over Corey, that makes sense but when you're having Smackle as sort of the main character doesn't have the same effect. You also could look at it like maybe she did have an arc. Yeah. But maybe that last sort of twist reveal that she was just using that interaction with Lucas to make Farkle jealous, maybe that was just her defending it. Yeah. I mean, it is possible to look at it saying that she was lying there or lying to herself there. Which is a way to look at it, but it could have... Yeah. No, I, I agree that that... Because I did feel like there was a slight arc when we thought that she was actually being affected by her outer beauty and being affected with the whole Lucas thing. But then, yes, like in the tag, they sort of, you know, switch that over and say, oh, that even that was a, a facade. Yeah. Out, yeah. So I think it makes sense to get into the grading now. I'm really struggling with this one. I definitely think there was some really fun humor. I Again, I loved a lot of the uh, main cast in this one. We're going to get into a little bit. The main message was a little bit... It had some nuance and it had some interesting pieces to it that I appreciated, but it was also sort of convoluted in a way that didn't completely come together for me. So I think I'd probably give it a B. Um, I enjoyed the episode, but I just think that there were some things that stood in the way. I do agree that there was just, it had its ups and downs, and I think it was just, it was a bumpy ride, really, yeah. watching the episode. But I had a lot of fun at the same time. The humor in Girl Meets World is really great. But there are a few episodes that just make me, like, stop and laugh out loud. Yeah. And this was one of them. And so even though it had those, like, moments that brought it 
down because yeah. it had that charm to it that really brings it up for me and I think I'm gonna give it a B plus. Yeah, cool. For me, watching this episode, there were a lot of parts that I liked, but there was so much turbulence to it that it could never really hook me. And honestly, I as far as like the Riley Maya stuff, A plus. I love the Riley Maya stuff. But there's so much other weird stuff in there that overall I'm gonna have to give it like a like a C plus tops for me. So yeah, so I understand where you're coming from, Keith. So now we're going to sort of try to talk about the overall message of the episode before we get into like the recap sort of portion and tie that in with Boy Meets World. Um, this episode, Turnaround, which is very, you know, has a lot of similarities, but also goes off in a different direction. In Turnaround, we have Corey nervous about going to school dance. It's the turnaround dance where the girls have to ask the boys. He's afraid of how people will perceive him by the girl that asks him out. So the girl that does wind up asking Corey out is this shy, meek, not very cool girl, Ingrid. And to try and make the situation better for Corey, he enlists the help of Sean and Sean's date for the dance to give her a makeover and give her this new attitude. And it ends up sort of backfiring on him because then she's too cool and doesn't want to go with him anymore because now he's just average and she's cool. So she breaks up with the cool kids, and they're all standing by the pool, and they're like, oh, you, you wish to jump in the pool, it'd be cool. And she actually jumps in and realizes nobody jumped in with her, and she says something to the lines of, oh, it's cool to talk about jumping in the pool, but not to actually do it. Yeah. So her contacts fall out, she puts back her glasses, she's all wet and a mess. She comes out and reconnects with Corey, and they kind of have this like down-to-earth moment. And if we had just been ourselves and came to the dance together, we probably would have had a good time. And then, then some yeah. cool guy comes by and he's like, oh, like, I mean, more than average yeah, more guys. Than, more than Corey. More than Corey. He had, like, cool surfer guy hair. He's yeah. cool hair, man. So then that guy <laughs> walks by. He goes up and he's like, oh, hey, you're Ingrid. You're the cool girl that jumped into the pool. And she's like, yeah. And they're yeah. like, let's go. We'll be cool together. And Corey's like, what about the lesson we just learned? Uh, she's like, whatever. What she lesson? said, give me a break. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so this is sort of similar to the whole Smackle thing. We have we thought it was going to be even more connected based on the trailers and everything. Uh, but the whole idea is you have this sort of nerdy girl being made over so that the guy will like them more. And so I just want to get out of the way real quick, just the whole issue I have just with taking these girls who are, you know, physically fit and pretty pretty and just happen to have weird hair and because they are, are styling that that way glasses and wearing yeah, glasses exactly. and, and, and acting like they're like weirdo freak losers and need that need beautification yeah in any movie once the like kind of nerdy girl or the like girl who doesn't get a lot of attention takes her hair out of a ponytail and takes off her glasses she's instantly like so hot and everyone wants to go see her it's a problem for me on like multiple levels just a the level of the unattractive weird girls are these girls who are really actually are attractive like so why are you sending those messages to people and just also the idea of like oh you need to become this like beautiful message i mean it is it, they definitely subvert it here and i think that they they do some interesting things in the smackle one and i actually like the smackle story a little bit better um the boy meets world one is a little bit more about to me in my opinion more about being cool and letting to accept yourself and not caring about what other people think which is that's a good message in itself but it doesn't really get the beauty thing down for me in the way that i want it to i see what you're going but i do think it's all image based as opposed to attitude based in that case except that there's specifically she comes down beautiful and sean is like no it doesn't work she needs this thing that makes her cool yeah, but they never and they actually, say cool like 30 times i know but then they never actually 
do anything. But it really is all about cool based on image. Whether he I says don't that agree or not. with you. I don't agree with they, you either. They spend they two pull. scenes on the Swedish. She needs to be, have the Swedish connection. And then they spend the whole scene about her jumping in the pool. They're like, oh, it's not cool to jump in the pool. It's just cool to talk about it. Also, in Boy Meets World, there's a whole underlying theme of just kind of using people and manipulating them for your own means. Mm-hmm. And the negative aspects that can have and how you really shouldn't do that, which we didn't really see a whole lot of that in Smackle because no one was like, well, except, except with, yeah, actually Smackle, yeah, yeah, Smackle was using them, but not to get yeah. the makeover, just to like, it was a social experiment. In Boy Meets World, the two lessons that Corey learns are basically, if you say yes to someone, don't just, because other people are going to say things, dick them, and then don't just use people to get make yourself look better. To me, it's all about those two. It's about not caring about... It's about popularity again, which is a good message too, but it's not, like, the same sort of thing to me. Yes, there is that angle of the beauty, but I don't think they really focus on it. In regards to the Girl Meets World episode, how it subverts the whole thing, Yeah, I really think that it made it seem like it was going to happen in Smackle. Yeah. But to me, it was really about Lucas. And if they mm. actually made it more about Lucas, I think it would have been better. Because those are the interesting things to that end that actually hit home, I think. For me, is the whole, people think I'm an athlete, maybe I am academic, you know. Why even my friends judge me and think I'm this when I'm not. That, to me, is much more interesting than anything that happened in the whole Smackle thing. See, I agree with you, but I I also, I like that they tackled this issue in a similar way that I liked Girl Meets Truth and how they tackled it from a bunch of different points of view and sort of, it was more of a discussion than necessarily giving you one specific answer. I like that you had the Maya trying to look smarter because she doesn't like that people don't think she's smart. You had the, uh, you know, Lucas side of it, and then you had the part of it where Smackle realizes that people do treat you better if you look you know, if you look a certain way, delving into the different aspects of this topic. And does I think she it's realize that, or does she already know that, and she's trying to reaffirm it? It's, it's really ambiguous. Iffy. Yeah. But so moving on from the themes. Um, yeah. So, but we'll get back into more detail about the specific message of the episode when we get towards the end of the episode. But now we're going to talk about this particular topic that I wanted to mention, which is the show is picking up a lot of uh, catchphrases or recurring jokes. We're only on episode 8, and there's a bunch of them that they've used multiple times. Um, and we want to talk about which ones are working, what we think about the fact that they're using all these catchphrases, which ones we kind of want retired. So you want to throw some of those out there? Okay, so whenever Augie refers to his age and he holds up his hand and he says, I'm this many, yeah. so five. Yeah. That's the one that's not working. I thought it was interesting that the writers addressed this on Twitter a couple days ago. Because uh, someone was like, you know, I work with little kids, and by the age of five, they don't do this anymore. And the writers were like, yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, sometimes you pick comedy over reality. And it's like, I honestly think that there were a few times where it worked for comedy. It was actually, no, there was one time that I liked, which was... When Maya in... high-fived him? Yeah, I think that was the time. But specifically because... Uh, you know, they were all like, do you think this? It was in Girl Meets the Truth. Like, yeah. And he's like, I'm this many. And I think that worked there. And if that was the only time they did it, it would have been, I would have been happy with it. Mm-hmm. But they used it like six times now, and it's unrealistic every time. Mm-hmm. So I don't... For me, it bothers me every single time, yeah. and I really don't like it. I also, yeah, I don't think it's really working. I don't love it, but I do like when people acknowledge, like when people high-five him or grab yeah. his hand or something, that they acknowledge that, like, you know, I don't know if it's just, like, tone it down there, Augie, or what it, what it is. Catchphrases, if you're going to use a catchphrase, first of all, you usually shouldn't. 
because usually <laughs> it's just cheap humor. But if you're going to use it, you have to find a new way to use it each time. And if you're just going to use... And we're going to talk about a couple of these they do do that with, and mm-hmm. I like that one. So maybe name one of the good ones. How you doing? Yes. They use that a lot. That's also yeah. from Boy Meets World, too, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's also just a really common phrase. Yeah, but they do it in a very specific <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah. How you doing? Yeah. And even in this episode, they have, how you doing, honey? I'm all worked up. Yeah, I like that a lot. And yeah. I think that, that one works, and it's, it's all about using a balance of not using it like every five seconds, but I think they've been doing pretty well with that yeah, one. It's all about coming in at the end of a funny situation, having one character <laughs> check up on the other one, and then like yeah. get this funny little recap yeah. between yeah, the characters. I really love it between Maya and Riley, because it also just reaffirms their friendship to me and how yeah. strong it yeah, is. They have a good like... chemistry with little lines like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another one is the nerd laugh, or like the laugh that Farkle does. The oh, ha, the ha. <laughs> the su- like I swallowed a half dead donkey one. Yeah. So the problem is, a lot of these we didn't like it the first time it happened. Like the this many we didn't like it the first time, and then they did it seven times, seven more times. And um, we found like one time yes. where it so might have worked. The geek thing. I didn't like it the first time a character said it, and then three other characters said it right after. And that even that first episode, and then they brought it into other episodes. This time they did subvert it. And that was awesome. Then, can we retire it? <laughs> yes. Okay. So when Lucas comes in and does that, it's amazing. Yes. Our and favorite I, moment of the episode, I think, right? Yeah. My, fa- my favorite moment, yeah. and definitely, I love it. My favorite it. Lucas moment ever. Yes. yes. It was it's, to, hands to, down. it's one of our only Lucas moments ever. Yeah. Because all of our other Lucas moments have just been like weird narration moments. Yeah. No, it was he was he delivered it great and it was a nice play on it and it made him so dorky and added to his character. It was like raspy oh, and yeah. faltering. Such a dweeb. Yeah, he like yeah. didn't even know how to do it. It's like <laughs> Because they're judging him as soon as he walks in, like, yeah. oh, you're, like, you're probably, like, a baseball player, and we don't talk about cars here, yeah. and he's like, I have to try really hard for these people to like me, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, and it's so forced, and he's like, but you can tell he's trying yeah. so hard. He's like a bird when he, like, leans his neck out. And, like... <laughs> it's like an ostrich attacking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which means we need to protect him. <laughs> No, you need to run away from Austin. They'll kill you. <laughs> what other phrases do we Well, get? speaking of Lucas, we have the yeah. tipping of the hat. Yes. And to me, that does not bother me. I mm. kind, I'm not crazy about it, yeah. but I kind of like it. They haven't overplayed it yet. Every mm. time he tips his hat, it's another Leia ship moment. <laughs> the thing I'm is, just for saying. me, is I like it. I like, like I, When it happened the first time, I was like, this is good. It's just not something that I need to see over and over again. I just don't... You don't need to play the same joke for me over and over again. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no there's no way to subvert that either. You're just doing the same thing every time. Well, I think it itself is a subversion because it is all about him acknowledging how Maya is yeah. viewing him yeah. and then him embracing that in yeah, order to give her a little bit once. back. I mean, he can still continue to subvert the cowboy thing with other jokes. I'm just saying it's not funny to me to see the same joke over and over, over again without a new twist on it. Well, the way I feel about this one is I think this is closer to, like, in Veronica Mars, yeah. how always, Logan has this sort of repertoire of gestures that he responds to things with. Mm-hmm. To me, it's more like that, where he's just using the language of gestures as a way to have a quirky comeback in certain situations and just always yeah. has it on hand. I'm, not, I'm okay with this as long as it's not, like, every five seconds. And tying in with the whole cowboy thing, yeah. Ranger Rick and Ranger Roy. I mean... That's one of the more believable. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Just, my, 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 I guess my, my thing is, like, I really like their back and forth with the whole cowboy thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to like just it. Need if you do the material. same thing every time, it's going to be not be as enjoyable. Like, if we do yeah. another episode where they talk about Ranger Roy, don't you think it's going to be, like, why don't you come up with a new cowboy go? <laughs> well, Ranger Rick is from Yogi the Bear, right? Is it? Isn't that, isn't that Ranger Rick is Yogi the Bear? 
I don't Yogi actually the know. Bear. Yogi Bear. Hey, woo! Yeah. So the next one we have is the Maya dancing. What do you think about this? It has to be used sparingly. Yeah. I liked it in this episode. I, did I didn't like it in the ep- in Girl Meets the Truth when she's like in and out of the bathroom yeah. and like la la la. I can't hear you. And it went on for a really long time and it didn't quite work for me. And I think we all like the square dancing dance. I loved that. Yeah, I think the only the only time where she did a little jig and I didn't believe it was the one where she danced. After Riley was walking away in the hallway, oh, mm-hmm. did yeah. Riley dance away and then she danced? Away yeah, I actually liked that one because she was she was mimicking Riley. To me, that was the most forced version of that, mm-hmm. and I, I I don't hate it. So the last one on our list is who? <laughs> I do it better. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't need this to happen again. I like it. I think it hap- It's good at points, but it doesn't. Just because something was good one time doesn't mean I need to hear it every episode. So, That's all I'm saying. No, okay, yeah, yeah like, that's fine. Yeah, but I don't, I don't hate it, and yeah. if it's used well enough, then I don't, I wouldn't want to see it go away. I guess I'm, I guess my issue is we've seen this what at least four, maybe I would say I'm guessing six times. Really? Easy from my yeah. Not well, no, between, between my and yeah between my and Fargo, I'd say we've seen it maybe six times, and we've had eight episodes. Yeah, the no. thing is. is Maya and Farkle use it in different ways. Farkle does it in a way when he's trying to express, like, he's being, like, I don't know, overwhelmed. Oh, you but... slay me. Yeah, like, when he's being, like, overwhelmed. Do it again. <laughs> yeah, by something that either Maya or Riley said, whereas Maya is using it in disdain, usually towards Lucas. Yeah, but I think it's Not actually... Exactly. I wouldn't it's call actually... it disdain. To me, it's more like, I don't really like this, or I am doing something that I, you don't like. She doesn't like it in, like, a flirtatious way, in my opinion. Because he'll, like, say something that gets her, and she's like, oh, he got me. But I it's think, like, no, I think it's equivalent me. of somebody, of somebody's friend going like, aw, snap! You know what I mean? <laughs> literally, literally. It's like, it's like a girl coming up behind and doing that. That is not how what? I take it. But, no, I, I think it's, it is a little bit of this antagony, but, like, playful antagony. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I don't really like it when Frockle does it. I like it about half the time that Maya does it. It doesn't need to go away. It just needs to be used more sparingly. Yes, I agree with that. Most of these things, I'm just like, I'm not saying destroy them. I'm saying wait four episodes between each time. <laughs> All right, so I think it's a good point now that, to transition into the beginning of the actual episode. Uh, so we start off with this opening scene at the classroom, and we hear about Corey's lesson with a Trojan horse and setting up this whole assumption thing. Do I do really this? like this scene. This is one of my favorite opening scenes. I think it's really funny. Yeah. I like it a lot. Um, of course, so Caitlin and I have sort of gone back and forth about this Trojan horse thing, and we're not going to go into super detail. But, uh, A, there's a little bit of issue. So I understand why they're using it, right? So Because this is the, you know, the popular idea about, like, don't take a book by its color, but the... By its color. By its cover. Um, but, you know... That's the, a nice purple book over there. But the more, a little bit more, you know, interesting version of don't take a book by its color... <laughs> Again, I did that. There is a little bit of an issue of teaching this mythology thing in a history class. Unless maybe if you tie it in with, like, the religions of the past. And then, of course, Caitlin has a much bigger issue than me and Keith do, but the <laughs> issue that this version of the Trojan horse story isn't really the real original version of the Trojan horse story. Yeah, it's a little skewed. Corey is right in where the Greeks brought the Trojan horse to the fort of the Trojans, except 
the when the Trojans accepted the gift and bringing it in, there was a lot of debate amongst them, and they didn't know if they wanted it or not because they were weary of it, but because they believed in the Greek gods, they didn't know if it was a gift or not from the gods and didn't want to anger them, so they brought it in anyways. So it was more that they were fearful of their religion rather than just idiots that fell for a trick because anything that gods did would be much worse than the Greeks did. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my personal feeling is that this is an evolved myth and that, yes, it originally didn't have this moral, but this is sort of the accepted thing by a lot of people these days is that it is this more going a book by its cover sort of story. In that mode, I think Corey utilized it well and it connects well to the bigger themes of the episode. Um, I like the whole thing with the present and the, the tanking card. I think it made sense. And they sort of, it really set up the theme of the episode right off the bat in a, in a way that made sense to me deception and manipulation yeah that was like most of Corey that we got so then we sort of move on into uh the introduction with the debate and with smackle and so this opening scene with smackle to me was my biggest issue scene for her because i just felt like she was not on the ball i think the writing was not great i hated the crying thing it really didn't work for me she was just too over the top and too Big Bang Theory for my taste. Yes, I really agree with that, and that really bothered me. It feels like someone coaching her on acting for this character was just like, watch a couple episodes of the Big Bang Theory, and then that's exactly what you want to do. <laughs> and then just but, roll with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I will say, like, I don't want to hate on the actress, because I think that there were a couple scenes where she actually did shine, so who knows if it was the writing or what. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think that the crying thing didn't work. I think that she was too robot-y in a way that just didn't work for me. Yeah, which also didn't um, link in with her initial intro from yeah. Corey, with how she, like, burst through that circle yeah. and, like, had that really wacky intro, and then it didn't tie yeah. in with her character Well, at I all. also didn't... I mean, I know we saw her very little in The Girl Meets Popular, but what we saw of her, I, she didn't seem like a robot. At least in this particular episode, she's consistent within the episode itself. Because even though she changes her feelings about things, it's all sort of behind this sort of conning thing. I don't know if this is a good time to bring this up, but is this someone that you want to see again? Do you think that she should be gone? Um, I think it wouldn't make sense if she was gone forever. I Not regardless of if I personally need her again yeah. or like her, I don't think it would make sense if we never saw her again. She doesn't need to mean like the next episode or anything like yeah. that. But I think if you get rid of Smackle for good, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, don't forget she doesn't even go to their same school. Yeah. Oh, she so... doesn't even go there. <laughs> oh yeah. She goes to Einstein, Einstein Academy. Academy. Right. Yeah. Okay. Which I still agree with you that it's actually a good plot device that she goes to a different school because it, that it isn't weird if she's gone for 10 episodes. Yeah. But yeah. I agree that it's weird if she never shows up again. Yeah, that's that's what yeah. I think. Also, I just want to mention real quick that Smackle, unlike Farkle, <laughs> is not her first name. Yes. And her name is Isadora Smackle, which I really wish that someone had called her Izzy. Or at least Isadora. <laughs> well, I just don't really get, like... Is somebody, like, listening to the name, like, when they announce the name Smackle, is someone, like, laughing out loud, like, what a funny name? Like, I don't really get what they're hoping for when they say the name Smackle. Where are the like, writers getting these names is I'm, like, my biggest thing. Farkle, I like actually more, because it's, like, it like sort Smackle of suits him. Of yeah, it sort of suits him, and it was unique to him, but then when you make Smackle, it's just kind of a play on him, like you were saying, and it's not, like... Whoa, what a good guest. Well, I think, so Farkle, I think, is named Farkle so that they can say Farkle Minkus, and yeah. that's funny. Yeah. 
And so I think, so Farkle is derived from Minkus. Yeah. And you have Smackle derived yeah. from, Farkle derived from Minkus. Yeah. yeah where does the, yeah. you know, where do you, where's the yeah. joke stop? Exactly. And mm-hmm. they, they at least poked fun at themselves with the Farkle Minkus thing. Because they had, you know, Lucas reacting to it, and the girl in the background really <laughs> reacting to it. So well, like, I assume that's the whole point of a setup. Why yeah. they? She's yeah, the yeah. best. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Smackle. I don't really get the point of that. It was okay. But so we have a couple of good jokes throughout here with um, R- Riley and not uh, Maya. Yeah, uh, and they're tell us about and them. they're sitting with Lucas. Yep. And uh, Riley just turns to Maya and she's like, "I don't understand debate," and Maya's like, "I say you do." Okay. Yes, I really like that back and forth, that, like, quick debate, <laughs> Maya is in control. So, I think, technically, would you call that a debate? No, that's just Riley accepting the, that Maya knows best. In fact, I'd say that is, that's decidedly not a debate. Yeah, that's proving she's the point. Not, she's not defending herself at all. She's that's proving the point that yes. Riley doesn't understand yeah, debate. Exactly. And also, next to them is Lucas, and he's, like, really excited about debate and yeah. bringing out his inner dweeb, which yes. I hope we see so, so much more of. So, this part of Lucas was the... Some good, some bad, which is mm-hmm. funny because he talks narration. about he talks about the dichotomy thing. Yeah, there. but they kind of tried um, to but, make him like more yeah. toned down Farkle in the way that he's comparing Maya and Riley. Yeah, well, it just the date. So it was good because he seemed dweeby, and that was good that he was excited about learning. That was a new aspect to his character. Uh, it was not good because we then got more narrative lines where he seemed like some omnipotent. It almost seems like he ta- is talking down to them to sometimes, yeah, too. It's not like, even. I understand that. I don't really get that. It, to me, it seems like it's more like the GB. Let's yeah. state all the obvious facts about the situation because the people watching can't tell that from themselves. You yeah. know what I mean? Corey yeah. does similar lines, but it works when you're a didactic teacher parent figure. It doesn't work. As, that's why I feel like it seems almost more talking down because he's on their level and why is he saying these things? But at least when the, it happens with Corey, it's more than just as believable for him. I, mean, I yeah. think it's even when he says it, yeah. it's not always meant as. There's always such a neutrality yeah. with whenever Lucas delivers lines like that. Yeah. At least Corey has his own biases in those lines. Yeah. So this scene kind of just ends with, uh, we have Farkle on the ground now in defeat. Where he belongs. Smack, <laughs> <laughs> smackle over him trying to like get him to go for a, I don't know, makeup Did, smoothie. Did you say makeout smoothie? <laughs> <laughs> Make up. I'll let oh. you borrow my lip gloss. Okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, she's trying to ask him on a date. So she, I mean, yeah, so she's trying to ask him on a date and he doesn't really get it. And then, um... Maya and Riley my... are gonna, like, try and go help him up and, like, yeah. you know... How you doing? Boost his morale. <laughs> and then they just get distracted by melon balls. <laughs> no. Where did the melon so balls come is from? That, I wonder if that's a reference to something in, in their personal lives. Mm. Because it seemed... Really specific. specific. It's not like, oh, <laughs> hey, look, uh, you know, fruit, or hey, look, snacks. Yeah. Hey, look, an assortment of melon balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, also, I just really wish that, like, it's fine, but I just wish someone had just walked by them with a plate of melon balls because the melon balls came out of nowhere. Then oh, we just it, had it, this like huge, this huge melon ball. Is this, is, this, is this a catered school debate <laughs> 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 with waiting set with a wait staff? <laughs> Someone had to bring in that food. There's food there. No, for it doesn't the have students. to be a waiter. It could yeah. be somebody bringing it over. It could have been a teacher. But yeah, no, yeah, I get so you. Would you like to try the melon bowl? <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so then we have a we have some. I mean, even though I didn't like uh, Smackle side of this, we have some great lines continuing from Rowan. Uh, sort of like he's like, I'm gonna say something really quick and then immediately regret it. Yeah, <laughs> you want to come over? 
I just wanted to say I loved Maya's reaction to that like Riley tries to go in for a hug to Smackle and Maya full of melon balls (laughs) 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 and she looks at Riley and she's like I already have a weird friend and Riley's like that's me (laughs) yeah I like their delivery is really good they're the base. Yeah. We get into Augie, which it opens, the scene opens with a Boy Meets World reference. Yes. Topanga! Yes. So I really, okay, so we had issues with most of the scene, but there were a few things that I liked. Um, I really liked the, yeah, the ripping the shirt off thing, Topanga reference. Friend! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, when Augie rips his shirt, that was great. Um, and, you know, so we just, for some reason it just doesn't work when he has to carry his own storyline. I think it's because... There's just no drama when your when your protagonist of a storyline is this many. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like there's no there's no stakes there. Like you might feel bad for him, but he's just being silly. Like he does like so what he's upset about is silly. So it's like Did you guys like when he put the whipped cream all over the cake and then just put his face in it? See, no. I liked it. I did not. <laughs> I think I would have liked it better if he like was just like in engorging himself with the cake and just actually started eating it and it was like a sad day like a pint full of ice cream kind of thing I, but he just stuffed his face yeah. in it his thing didn't is work i definitely me. agree that it's like obvious like silly slapstick humor but it was so sudden like the the actual physical way he did it like was so sudden to me that it, it got a laugh out of me for me everything between when he ripped his shirt open to when he sat on topanga's lap the only thing in between that should have been him walking to the couch yeah, so, and then we get a, another, uh, one of our first, there's multiple meta references in this episode, and so we get this reference where Topanga talks about how Cory and Topanga have ruined many relationships for people. Yeah, because Augie is like, no, I have to find someone when I'm this old and stay with them forever, and she's just like, who told you that? Yeah. Or like, who made you think that? You and daddy. Yeah, so. I I liked that. I I liked that. That was the part of the scene that I liked was the re- was the reference. To yeah, the I de- yeah. Whether like and Topanga would have been better if she like didn't look starry eyed out into the like <laughs> sky when she said, yeah. "I wonder how many uh, people Corey and Topanga's relationship have ruined or something yeah. like that." I don't think it was a little too kitsch. Yeah, like if she was just like, huh, like I wonder, like, I like if she had just said it, like, in a way that you could was have had more the wink personal. and the, you could have the wink and the nod without yeah. getting to the thing that you're making fun That's of. That's like hitting you over the head. Personally, I just feel like I, I think Danielle Fischel is good. I think August is good. August. I don't think, I don't think they work that well together, to be honest. I, I, agree I, with I think you. that, I think that Danielle Fischel in, in Girl Meets World has been at her best when she's been with Riley and when she's been with Corey. And when you pair the two of the, her up with with Augie, it just doesn't work in the same way. I think we need more Augie and Corey, honestly. I personally think that the reason for that is because Rowan yeah. is mature, Yeah, I think Danielle is has a better chemistry with her. Yeah. Because Danielle's not actually a mom, yeah. so I don't think she has a... Maybe I'm wrong about this, yeah. but like a personal... A lot of personal interactions with a child. Yeah. It seems sort of like... Oh, I've watched mothers and how they act. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to mimic that instead of a real thing happening. But whereas when she's talking to a teenager, I feel like she knows how to interact with that person on a more realistic level. And when she's interacting with Ben, she knows yeah. how to do that. With a few far in between uh, exceptions, yeah. I really haven't been wowed by Daniel Fischel. Yeah. On Girl Meets World. Yeah. Obviously, I like her on Boy Meets World. Yeah. But on this new series, I haven't really 
been convinced yet. Yeah. There's something lacking, and I don't know how long. It maybe it's just not getting back into the swing. But there's definitely there's there's an authenticity missing. Yeah, I agree with in you. A big and I, think way. It's, like, I think there have I think there have been exceptions, like you were saying. Like I think there were good moments, but I think overall, whether it's yeah, whether it's her taking a long time to get into it, or whether it's the writing changing, or her not being able to deal with these sorts of actors, I don't know. But it's I hope it gets better. Um, so then we sort of get into the makeover thing, and Maya and Riley make over Smackle and make her all beautiful, and then we have these, we have, actually, sort of interestingly, we transition, we have a commercial break, and then we come right back to the same scene, which never happened before, and we have this whole thing where she's like, oh, I know how to, like, act. Actually, it's sort of interesting, because it's sort of like the Boy Meets World episode, where it's like, just making them pretty is not enough, you have to change their behavior, too, so she has to, she can't just act like a robot in order to now be beautiful, she has to add in these likes and awesomes and oh my gosh. Didn't like this yeah. at all, yeah. actually. First of all, I just hated that that was like such an easy thing for her to do. Yeah. It was like, oh my gosh, this is what girls totally talk like that are in our grade, right? Yeah. And <laughs> Is it not? I mean, yeah, that's the thing that to me, that's why it's just funny to me, because I'm like, this is an issue with the culture, so I'm totally okay with people making fun of it. But then and... when, but then when Riley, uh, so when she does the E equals MC squared thing, yeah. and then they're like, what are you saying? And then she's like, E totally equals MC squared. And they're like, oh, I get it now. First of all, Riley's supposed to be smart. Although they keep saying that, they don't really show that, and it really all depends on what episode it's in, whether she's supposed to be smart or not. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, why would she not be interested in the debate club? They don't even talk about that. I mean, she just says she doesn't understand debates, but... I think it... <laughs> well, I think also she's a little too socially awkward yeah. to want to be in debates. I will say, personally, I didn't mind the E equals MC squared joke just because, like, I think you can interpret it as, like, they're just playing along, or you can just... I can just accept, like, a small character thing for... Like, you can just... For I, that kind of, like, little character thing, for, like, a satirical little joke, I'm okay with. But anyway, moving on to... The next what? scene is when Lucas wants to join the debate oh, okay. team. Okay, so this was great. When Lucas walks in trying to join the debate team, we have this scene where the whole point is that even though he is sort of, like, the big handsome guy, yeah. he is the one being judged and sort of bullied by the, you know, the quote-unquote yeah. nerd kids... Because they're judging him based off his appearance, what they expect him to be, they're making assumptions, which yeah. is the whole, you know, it is a pinnacle scene in the episode because it's one of the more interesting examples of the whole don't judge a book by its yeah. cover or color, whatever you like. <laughs> I'm going to take a minute here to, maybe Dan wants you to, I don't know, yeah. to apologize to past Keith <laughs> in the podcast because we said we'd never get a moment where Lucas gets bullied. And ah. I think this is kind of a, like, it's That's not... True. but it's, it's not in the way that not, he was expecting him to be bullied. I mean, I don't but, really know what yeah. you specifically were expecting, <laughs> but it is kind of, it is a bullying moment. Yeah. No, that's um, true. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely And it's definitely in a way we didn't expect. Interesting role reversal. Um, and I also, I mean, we get into this a little bit more when he has his, his speech... Yeah. Um, but the idea that he... It's just sort of also aims at the audience to a degree, mm -hmm. in that... The audience, as soon as they saw the casting of Peyton Meyer, and even for the first couple episodes, have just been like, why do you have, guess, this pretty boy? All he is, is going to be is this pretty boy. He's probably going to be a jock. He's probably going to be blah, blah, blah. He's just going to be nothing. We would never. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, well, I mean, the thing is... We're sorry, Peyton. I, I'm, I'm not. I, 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 I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not being... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to, to Peyton, 
But I, I'm not sorry to okay, Lucas. I'm not sorry to the writers for saying that because okay. that's how he was in the first seven episodes. Yeah. So like, it's not like I was just saying that for no reason. <laughs> that's like, not what it was. Yeah, that's literally what it was. And so I'm glad that the writers are taking him in this other direction. But I mean, he definitely has been up even in this episode. His role was look at how handsome he was. I mean, even you know, even like in that scene that we're gonna get to. Yeah, they they mentioned that a lot. Yeah, just physical appearance. And and even we also have the whole back and forth about Ranger Rick, which is another masculine like you know jock type thing. That's and so that they they. I don't think that's the case. Like you don't the think that cowboys, cowboys are a symbol of masculinity. Ranger Rick has nothing to do with cowboys. Yeah, but they make lots of not. jokes about you know that culture. And uh, and whether you okay maybe Ranger Rick specifically you can you have a point. But on, the cowboy esque theme is yeah. like another way where he is yeah. just the strapping young lad. Yeah. And so, but no, but they definitely sort of subvert that by the end of the episode. Uh, but I do like this idea that he's smart, that he cares about his grades, and that I also, I mean, I think I have we have to hand it to Farkle to some degree in this scene for defending that, him. For defending yeah, him, no, yeah. I actually, that was a good Farkle moment. I will say that yes. it was the first actual friendship Farkle Lucas kind of moment because that's the other thing that I've disliked sort of is that this idea of like, oh, they're friends, they're friends. Have we seen Lucas and Farkle talk before? <laughs> like, have we even seen like? Especially one on one. Like everybody wants to. Like, there's a lot of people out there who are like, "Oh, like, why are they like? It's so great that they're making Riley and Lucas friends first. Where it's like, I don't really feel like we're seeing their blossoming friendship. It just seems like they're slowly gonna date. Like, what, have we seen real friendship moments between the two of them? I don't think so. I think in the library. I, I think they tried to set it up in the library. I mean, we if you go back and listen yeah. to that episode, I mean, I in particular have a lot of problems with the way they set that up. They could have yeah. done a lot better job. And they, they touched on it briefly. But even but to me, that's the beginning it. of their, like, even in the library scene, like, the girl, the, the librarian is like, this is the first page, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's setting up the romance. To me, it's like his first opening up to it, to the girl kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really feel like they've had that much friendship moments, and I do hope that we get some more of it. Uh, but moving on from the whole Farkle-Lucas uh, friendship and all that stuff, we have Sabrina come in. Uh, she's wearing glasses now, so we get this other facet to the beauty thing where she wants to seem smarter, so she wears this. Um, and I just thought, it, like, they didn't go into it a ton, but I thought it was a nice little nod to her character and how she wants to be perceived by people versus how she is perceived. We have a potential setup that she actually does need glasses and doesn't wear them, which could be something in another episode. Yeah. And I, I also want to acknowledge that we have these two side geek characters that are recurring. I'm not a huge fan of them, but just I'm, I'm glad that we're getting recurring side people. So that's good. And so then we get into the date, quote-unquote, uh, with, with Smackle and Farkle. And Farkle reveals sort of the twist here, uh, where he's figured out that Smackle is just doing this to play them. Um, that she doesn't really care about, you know, beautification, but she's just doing it to help win the debate. To win. She's, she's yeah, trying she... to get in with, with his friend. She's trying to prove a point and do some research for the debate. Yeah, yeah, this is the part where it's Smackle using the people around her. Yeah. And she uses Maya and Riley as sort of, you know, so, a social experiment to prove her point in the debate of, yeah. like, how they were going to perceive her. And treat her when she, they she asked for the makeover. Yeah. And now, honestly, the weird thing about that is, if you're calling them the participants in the experiment, or rather the subjects, yeah. how they, they, or rather Riley in particular, offered to help her yeah. before she looked pretty and treated her yeah. good before that. So 
does that disprove what she was saying in the first place? That fact alone. Well, see now, my my feeling. I feel like I need to want to watch this scene again because now the more I'm thinking about, more confused I'm getting. But I think the idea was that he thought he'd trick Farkle, that he would get Farkle to like her suddenly because beauty's only skin deep, and that her plan is failing because Farkle sees through it. That's yeah. what I, I think. Farkle. Thought it it's was. not that Farkle sees through. I think he always expected it from her. Yeah. I think it's just the first time that he. Physically, I've seen yeah. has seen them. Yeah, but her. you know, I, my point is, I think that he was doing it to prove to Farkle that he only cares about the outer appearance. I mean, when Smackle first walks into the bakery, yeah. we do just get a moment on Farkle, and he's not interacting with anyone. And he yeah. like his eyes get all big, and he's like, "Wow." Yeah. So there, there's a lot of things that aren't like fully explained yeah. in this episode. And then we get the other sort of wrinkle to this, where Lucas comes in. And Smackle actually starts acting, you know, sort of flustered and that her, the fact that he's giving her attention, that it's realizing that it actually isn't impacting her. And this was a good moment for both of these actors. Yeah. This Um, is the part that I really liked of Smackle. Yeah. They had the, this great interaction. She's like, you smell like pine trees. Thank you. Our feet are touching. You're doing that. Yeah, and I I just really like the back and forth between these characters. I, I think the actors did great here, and that they had good comedic chemistry. It isn't you know sort of interesting thing with the fact that we then later sort of get revealed that this was all you know her playing them even more. Yeah, um, even though Farkle thought he found a loophole, yeah. and he was like, oh well, since Lucas is on my debate team now, and like Lucas makes Smackle all flustered, yeah. like this will be a distraction to her. Which he then later realizes he does not want. He wants yeah. it to be her in her full capacity, yeah. otherwise the victory is meaningless. Yeah. And I will say, again, something Better that I appreciated about Farkle, I mean, even the fact that he knew the twist right right away... I appreciated that about it. Like, I'm not saying... I didn't necessarily love his humor in this episode. I didn't like him falling down all the time and stuff. Yeah. But I appreciated the the dramatic choices they made with the character. I don't know dramatic is our word, but you know what I mean. The, the character choices they made with him. Yeah, so then we get this Bay Window scene, and we're not going to talk about the scene that much. Uh, we didn't like most of it. Uh, the things we did like was sort of a, uh, the acknowledgement of what the Bay Window means in this world yeah we have like it basically a waiting room for a therapy session yeah. and farkle's in like in line and he picks up a magazine it's like bay window magazine and the back cover it has like a little easter egg for the show i think and it's yeah. like it's a, game night yeah a reference to a later episode because there is going to be a later episode called girl meets game night and the back of it said like game night hasn't met its match yeah. now do you know what the bay window is that i just figured out oh yeah it's the fence. Yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. You're totally right. It's yeah. Feeney's fence. Yeah, that's totally, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that this is a thing they go back to on the show that I appreciate. It's, you know, it's a, it's a thing that they've latched onto that makes a lot of sense as a core classic aspect of the show. And I, I don't particularly like this particular scene because I thought that the Augie side of it was not enjoyable, but... The acknowledgement of yeah. just what it is and, yeah. like, how it's going to affect them. Yeah. Now... It's nice All... to have this this place tied yeah. down in, within the culture of the show yeah. that can be used tastefully in the future in different yeah. scenarios as opposed to some of the other things we had trouble with yeah. earlier in the episode. Now, I will ask, though, all this... All this said, and I do usually like the Bay Window thing, do you think they overused it in this episode? Because we had three scenes at the Bay Window. I think that it happened a lot, yeah. but it did not kill it, yeah. because I think some of the things that have killed it have been... When Farkle was magically there, yeah. or something like that. 
this time we actually have a reason for him coming and yeah. we see him coming. Yeah. As and Topanga to... acknowledges him. Right. Yeah. Uh, coming in. And she's like, didn't she say something like, we have a front door? Yeah. Which felt like a reference to Sean. Yeah. Before, when we had Maya come in and Frockle was already there, I think it was at the Girl Meets Popular, I believe. Yeah. That's one of the ones I liked the least. Yeah. Well, I also. This is probably the first time Augie and Farkle interacted. I don't remember exactly what they said, but it, and at least we're getting, you know, different combinations. I think that's a good mm-hmm. idea. But anyway, moving past this, so we get to the big debate, and we have three sort of big monologues here. And the thing, the one, so we have the sort of the opening remarks from Farkle, which, you know, aren't that intense. You, I mean, it's basically just like, don't take your book by its cover again. He's mostly just introducing um, yeah. Lucas. But yeah. the Lucas one was the one that I liked the most. It, he definitely looked like he was in high school in this scene. Yeah, he did. <laughs> but, um... I don't know how they're gonna deal with that And do you want to think the, big, uh, the yeah. biggest thing that contributed to that is? Because everyone else was sitting down in those little chairs mm. in the audience, which is very close. And, and I'm trying to remember, I think the camera angle might have been a little bit low. Yeah. Because of that vantage that yeah. might have contributed to that. Yeah. And he, you know, and he's also, you know, preachifying to the masses. Preachifying. But, it, but like, doing it in a way that's, uh, I, I like it more because it's more personal here. It doesn't seem as narrative because he's talking about his personal thing of, you know, everybody expects these things from me and this is not who I want to be. And yeah, so his... who he wants to be is a way more interesting character to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his kind of overarching theme in his debate is, like, the idea of labeling and people kind of label him as, like, a jock or, like, yeah. like a baseball player. Uh, but he actually, he really cares about school. Yeah. And his, even his friends don't really get it. And his friends even label yeah. him as a jock or a cowboy. Yeah. And that kind of hits home with Maya, too. Right. I like yeah. I like how we see, even a couple shots later, Maya is still lingering and is almost yeah. melancholic over this. So she's like, oh, so, am I mean? Yeah. She's, like, she's, like, thinking about, like, oh, I feel feel bad you know? now do you think that that thread will be picked up oh it definitely they would not set it up in that way if they weren't going okay to. so you it might not be next episode yeah it well, will be this season okay but i guess my question is do you think next episode she'll make fun of him for being a cowboy and if not what is their relationship because that's all that it is right now <laughs> i am interested in that so yeah i think that I she think, might I continue is... but tone it down in some way yeah. I think this is also an opportunity for their relationship to develop in some way. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe that, like, I don't know, maybe it will lead into an actual conversation between Maya and Lucas where she, yeah. like, maybe even awkwardly tries to pick up the conversation, like, hey, Lucas, like, sorry. Hello, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I am interested to see where that might go. I'm also wondering, I know the writers had said, uh, they even they did an interview, like, after the pilot, and they said there is an episode in season one where we things clicked with Lucas and where we really felt like we knew where Peyton Meyer's strengths were and where we started writing towards that because we knew what to do. And they, they sort of hearkened it back to Eric in a way and how Eric, you know, once they realized what the actor could do, they sort of geared it more towards that and sort of shifted his character. And if Lucas is always a dweeb, I'll be so happy. <laughs> so I'm, I don't know if that's this episode, but I know, it I'm seems just... like it could be. Yeah, yeah. Um, it definitely could be. Yeah, yeah. I feel like because this is the strongest, yeah. uh, I mean, for anyone who's listened to our past podcast, <laughs> you can... This you is can, the most we've talked about Lucas ever. Especially the most positive <laughs> yeah. we've ever talked about Lucas. But tying back into yeah. their debate, 
So Lucas's end remarks are basically beauty is not skin deep and yeah. beauty is, you know, it comes from within and it's who you are. So then we have Smackle who comes in and she wants to debate that beauty is skin deep. Yeah. So here's the, we, we went sort of line by line looking at these, this, I will say, I think it, it was in general, guys. it was too, the, the speech was too long. Yeah. Especially from a character who is a, like, this is pretty much her first episode. So that's weird. Um, yeah, that she's, like, preaching yeah. when we um, have no other um, connection to her. Especially because I'm not sure we're even supposed to like her. Yeah, I don't know what you're supposed to feel about her. Especially be- especially because of the final twist. Right. If, if the yeah. final twist didn't happen, I could sort of see you maybe thinking, oh, you know, she just wants to be cool, she doesn't know what she's doing, and she fell for this guy, or whatever, like, I don't know. But Yeah, because then... Because it doesn't even leave me feeling like, oh, like, I ship her and Farkle. That was the other thing I was going to ask. Do you ship her and Farkle? Do you ship her and Lucas? I don't I don't don't ship her with anyone. Yeah. I think the only reason you would ship her with Farkle is because you don't want Farkle with Maya or Riley, right? Yeah. So, like, there's nothing... the, The only reason to like Smackle is to, if you happen to like her brand of humor. Or if you like her as a villain. Like, I think he's a much better... I think he has potential to be a much better villain than Missy. Because yes. he can mess with people's head, heads and he's a great actress in the in, in the character is. So I think that has potential. But I don't have... You know, I don't think he has a ton of potential for me to want her to be friends with them. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And even to the point of being a villain, I don't know how much more I've ever wanted. Because there's only so much you can do with her yeah. going in and like you, you have to believe her, you have to believe her, then here's the twist, yeah. and then you would go back. Because at what point, she's like, oh, she must be lying, so we don't care, yeah. we're, not, we're not invested anymore. Yeah, we yeah. don't we don't believe in this arc because we know it's going to be a twist. Yeah. And then you have to get to the episode where it's the you know the boy who cries wolf yeah, and she yeah, actually yeah. is. And then, yeah. so that's going to be really repetitive. Yeah, and no, I agree. There's so many points where... You're gonna always second guess. So yeah, but yeah. So but as far as her actual points, she makes some points that I am interested in, and then she sort of backtracks, and it doesn't really fit well into the debate topic that she's going after. So I did like that that the acknowledgement that she goes, people did treat me differently when I got this got this makeover. People, we have to accept that the world. What's the actual line that she has about packaging or something? Packaging does matter. Yeah. Which, because that's kind of relating to something that Farkle opened up, that, like, don't be fooled by a pretty ribbon, and nobody keeps the wrapping paper yeah. anyways. Did Lucas say that, or did Farkle, no, Farkle said no, that? No, Farkle said yeah. that, Farkle opening up yeah. for Lucas. And so, yeah, so I like that the packaging does matter, I think is is interesting to acknowledge that, and we do live in a society where packaging does matter, and that the way you present yourself is important. With that is what actually is aiming towards her overall topic of, you know, beauty is, is is skin deep but then she goes off in this other direction where she talks about what we, but what we should really care about is the inner soldier and blah 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 and like intelligence and courage and, and so and also that you can lose yourself by focusing on what you are too much on the outside which yeah. i didn't really believe when i heard that because we never got a moment where because of all the twists yeah Smackle never actually progressed. Yeah. Uh, she just kind of stayed the same manipulative character in my eyes. So I don't... I never felt like yeah. Smackle really lost well, herself. Even if... Okay, so so let's, let's go around the rabbit hole of even if she did. Maybe the, maybe the twist at the end isn't real. Maybe, that, that's, a, yeah. maybe that's fake. She, say she got lost in herself. That is still arguing 
uh, Lucas's point. Right. Yeah. You could easily, Don't get lost yeah. in the, in the outer could, beauty. You could yeah. easily go back to the beginning of her speech, yeah. switch out is to isn't, yeah. and then it would have a you know yeah. resolution with because, fit. And then the thing that makes the least amount of sense is he talks about, like, I could sort of see maybe you thinking, oh, beauty is skin deep, but the inner stuff is more important than beauty. But then she equates the inner stuff to beauty because she goes, all of you around me are beautiful. Yeah, she puts on her glasses right. as yeah. if, like, this is, like... She can finally see everyone for the first time clearly, and it's like, oh, you're all beautiful. So if you're going to say they're beautiful, so they all have this beauty, so that means if they're... No, she says you're all deeply beautiful, so from within. Yeah. So then it's the opposite argument. I think they had good intentions here, and I think that they had some... They had the kernels of beginnings of interesting ideas... And I think that they succeeded with, like, the Lucas thing, and, and even with, you know, little pieces here and there. But I think it really got muddled, and yeah. they, the, 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 the number of twists muddled it, and her speech contradicted itself. And it, I don't really know... I, I, is the opening scene of this episode really just give you the message, and then the rest of it you don't yeah. even need to get the message? And the, the whole folly of this is because they specifically chose the, the vehicle of this message to be the yeah. debate and the fact that there is a debate team, which yeah. was arbitrary. They could have done many things. Yeah. And then it fails in not functioning with the logic of a debate and not having a working logic. Yeah. I mean, they I will say, they you have to remember, through. this is a debate between 7th graders, but I see where you're coming from. I, I do want to know, though, do you think, that they, you know, in that opening scene... Corey says the thing about, like, or even Lucas says, you know, don't judge people, don't make assumptions based on how things look. Do you think by the end of the episode, we end, we're supposed to end up with the same exact message? Or is that message supposed to have evolved based on the things that we've seen? Well, I think it has evolved with Lucas. Yeah. And when he goes to join the club, and yeah. when he when he says the thing of um, but kind of that, giving the little nod to Maya. Is that evolving, or is that giving a, an, a different example than what you'd expect? It's just an example of it, isn't it? Like with Smackle, I would almost view it as a warning. It's like this person who seems like yeah. they're meek and they need your help is actually someone who's going to manipulate you. Whereas with Lucas, it's um, don't just judge all yeah. of who he is based on your first assumptions and, like, there's more to a person yeah. than what you're allowing yourself to see. Yeah. I would say it is all about the, the character arc. I think yeah. Lucas had an arc. Yeah. There was a reveal. Yeah. And so that legitimizes the fact that yeah. they're reinforcing these ideas. Yeah. That brings us to the at last debate where Lucas speaks. Now, after that, regardless of if they have to finish the debate or whatever, why do we even hear Smackle? Oh, you're saying that the episode could have just cut off then? Yeah, that well, was I mean, the end of the... Yeah, I'm saying literally we didn't learn anything after that except for that weird backwards twist. Yeah. And everything that she said was reiterating what he said, but for the opposite argument, which yeah. didn't make any sense. Yeah. I still think there are pieces of things that were interesting in her argument. I also want to acknowledge, as we get into the tag, when they revealed that she was just using Lucas to make Farkle jealous... I um, loved his reaction to that, by the way. Like, yeah. oh, that's a new one. It is sort of, I will at least say, to some degree, kudos for not going the direction of 
this smart, somewhat strong female character starts wanting to become a sex object and overly beautiful because this boy likes her. Yeah, the that, that her character fact, wavers once that yeah. the opposite sex has an interest yeah. in the her. The fact that she ends up still just being manipulative the whole time, yes, it's not great because he's, like, manipulative, but at least he's, <laughs> yeah, at least he's not shanking herself for a guy. But I don't understand, really, why we end up with them all being friends at the end. It doesn't make a lot of sense Yeah, I did not. Yeah. I, I see. Okay, so question. I legitimately asked the Twitter followers: Do you empathize with uh, Smackle? Do you want her to be her? Like, would you want to be her friend? Would you want them to be friends with her? It doesn't really work for me. Even though I'm not even saying like I thought the character was terrible. I just don't think he's a character who's a an easy person to be a friend with. <laughs> and I have a question for you guys, yeah. which is: Do you think that Smackle actually won? I mean, I know this says that she won. Yeah. But do you think she won? She definitely didn't win as far as the logic goes. Yeah. Her, she had really faulty logic, and as yeah. an actual, you know, debate team thing, what they would that's the whole point, is to go through the logic. Yeah. So I yeah. think that, just for that alone, but as far as rhetoric goes, and that is that what they're counting? Yeah. Do you guys think that she actually won? No. So I think that the actual, I don't know if this is partially just the actress, yeah. um, that her presence... Uh, she really believed in herself and, you know, believed in what she was saying. And I think she conveyed that, but that's not really enough. And I was kind of, her argument went in circles for me. And like, so at first it seemed like, was she debating that pretty and beauty are or are not the same thing? I just think I figured out a way they could have easily fixed this whole issue. What? You have Smackleville first. And only say, <laughs> no seriously have Smackle go first and only say the first part of her of her argument right yeah. just say look everybody treated me differently you know packaging does matter then have Lucas come up and have him destroy her right with but his he, argument. obviously did that on purpose yeah they obviously made Smackle win on purpose and I yeah. don't understand yeah why. why do we want Smackle to win exactly yeah it's be- I think the idea is. I think in the writer's mind, Smackle has the more complex argument. They they believe that what she's saying is more important. And the, I think I think what the writers think is, oh, what Lucas is saying is what everybody says in all of these shows. We're going to have a more complicated thing that's more nuanced or whatever. And I think there was a bit of that, but it just went in circles. Yeah, it wanted to yeah. be pragmatic, yeah. but it never yeah. touched down. Yeah. So I think it's interesting. I, I don't really... I, I think that they touched upon this topic in interesting ways, but they never really hit home. But okay, so I think we could probably get into mail time. Mail time. Mail time. It's mail time. Alright, so we actually have an email this week. Um, <laughs> so it's someone sent it to us through the blog on the contact us thing on the blog that is one awesome way to do it you just go on gmwpodcast.wordpress.com click on the contact us and you can send us an email that way or you can just go directly by doing gmwpodcast at gmail.com so this email is from listener ashley and she said hey guys hey Hey, Ashley. ashley i really enjoy your podcast I love how you guys talk about Girl Meets World and Boy Meets World together. Boy Meets World was my favorite show growing up, so I have a couple of questions. Is it weird that I still watch the Disney Channel and Girl Meets World? I mean, I only watch shows like Austin and Allie and Good Luck Charlie when it was on. I am in my 20s and still enjoy the shows like these. Also, did you guys ever watch Ben Savage's brother's show, The Wonder Years? I feel like that was just earlier like Boy Meets World. It was also one of my favorite shows. Thank you very much for your email. It was awesome. Okay, first of all, you're not weird. I watch Liv and Maddie. 
and so if I do it, then it can't be weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, we're all walking girl mates. Well, I don't, I don't, I yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, we have a pretty big. Well, not us, but Girl Meets World has a pretty wide range of followers. Yeah. Well, I mean, we also totally love, like, Lizzie McGuire still and all those old shows. and watch. We watch stuff all the time, old yeah. VHSs and stuff like yeah. that. Nothing wrong with connecting with a younger demographic. Keep your young soul alive. And as far as the Wonder Years, these two fools over here really need to check it out. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think it's a really cool show, um, really connects with a certain time period and... Very Boy Meets Worldy. So if you're someone who hasn't checked out uh, The Wonder Years, it's a pretty great show. I haven't seen as much as I should have. Uh, my my parents and my sister both love the hell out of that thing. It seems cheesy to me. I don't actually know anything about The Wonder Years. I'm like Rowan. It ended the year before I was born. Um, it like it like kind of is, but it it isn't. Like there are episodes. It, it's kind of cheesy in the way Boy Meets World is because you can't yeah. act like Boy Meets World isn't to some degree, but um. But when he's younger, I think you have a point, but definitely when he gets older, um, it's in the same ballpark as, as Boy Me Twelve. Can I and, ask and, what it's about? Oh, okay, so it's, <laughs> it's about, it's kind of like the original How I Met Your Mother with a, a guy as he's older looking back on his on his life, and it's not, this is not very different from How I Met Your Mother, but he's looking back on his childhood growing up in the, I think it's the, I can't remember if it's the 60s or 70s, but it's, you know, one of those two time periods and how, you know, it was difficult growing up in this time of political change and everything. Uh-huh. And so it's, just, it's very Boy Meets World, and he's like, oh, I, there's this girl that I like from a young age, and I have my friends, and we deal with issues, and, um, okay. and you know, and there's themes and lessons and stuff like that. Um, and there's themes <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, they definitely get into like a, some pretty mature topics, and they have some great humor that's very relatable, especially to people who grew up in that time period, which is part of why my dad loves it so much. Okay. Um, thank you again, Ashley. Now we're going to uh, move on to some tweets we have about this episode. <laughs> this first one's kind of funny because she said the opposite of what she wanted to say. But uh, Nikki Kendra uh, said on Twitter, uh, didn't love Lucas in this episode. There was a whole new side to him uh, I like besides just being a pretty boy. And the next tweet she said is like, wait, no, I, I actually really loved Lucas. That's not what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> She really liked what Lucas, uh, how Lucas did in this episode, a uh, new perspective on him. And she loved the joke about Cory and Topanga. I, and I enjoyed that, too. Then we also got another tweet from uh, at underscore Swiffy. They said, uh, amazing episode with a great lesson. At Aubrey says, actually my fave so far. Lucas has character and Smackle's speech was half unexpected. Which half? <laughs> Uh, that's a good question, actually. <laughs> I wonder what they think. At rstickle24 said, uh, I liked Lucas in this episode, and I laughed really hard at the Feeny joke. So we didn't mention the Feeny joke where Topanga's like, oh my god, I married Feeny. Yeah, because um, the girls are commenting on how Corey always has so many lessons to teach. Yeah. Uh, on the opposite side of the coin, we have this quote that I think that Keith should read. At Let's Go Caps 819 says, The previous episodes were bad. This was worse, if that was even possible. Terrible dialogues, terrible humor. So disappointed. As So, <laughs> as someone who has been very critical myself... I actually find that strange because yeah. I think that obviously there was there was very terrible humor in this episode, but that was mostly smackle related. Yeah, I think there was also great humor. There was there was a lot yeah. of great humor. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not sure exactly yeah. what it's all coming from. I also from. it's interesting, I so like A I wonder if this person listens to our podcast and B it's interesting that they are keeping up with every episode. 
uh, despite seeming to hate it. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if it's just that they care so much about Boy Meets World they're not going to give up. Sorry you feel that way. Hopefully you change your mind. But I, I, think, I definitely think the show could get better. But I think if you're at this point you still hate it and think this is the worst episode yet, you're probably not going to change your mind. But At Rabrina Who says... I'm so glad they did an episode on this subject because I know a lot of younger girls who watch the show and struggle with how beauty connects to who they are and what they're worth and what matters. Do you think this show did anything like Hair Today, Goon Tomorrow did? I I mean, I think it at least gets the point across of the outside is not what's important. And yes, that is sort of a trite, overdone thing, but it's I guess to some degree it's something that still needs to be pushed because... You know, most of our culture is pushing the opposite. I think yeah. Girl Meets World is trying to drive home the idea that, yes, we do live in this society where you're going to be judged on how you look, but despite that, don't lose yourself. Be who you are and embrace that and look at all the qualities that there are that are good about you within yeah. and focus on that first. Um, so we have this one last series of tweets we wanted to do that isn't about Girl Meets Smackles necessarily, but uh, tackle something that we've talked about in the podcast, and we want to sort of clarify what we felt about a certain topic, so if you want to read that. At Jeremy Pape 93 says, Love the podcast. Just a note, though, not all Christians automatically shun the gay community. To which I responded saying, you know, I know that, my family totally fits that description of Christians that don't shun the gay community. And sort of asking, what made you think that we felt that way? And they said... From several podcasts, particularly when this came up, it seemed like you thought all Christians are judgy. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you told us that you felt this way, because I want to clear this up if anybody else feels this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely don't think that all Christians are judgy. I am not like... I don't want to seem like I'm blaming Christians for the fact that we're not seeing as many gay characters in kids' shows. Um, it's just that it's a controversial topic, and that the judgy sect of Christians out there are very vocal and are the kinds of people that usually led to things like the Boy Meets World Band episodes and things like that. And I'm not saying all of them by any means. I don't want anything we say to make anyone feel like an outcast or make them feel bad, especially based on their religious beliefs. And I, in my own personal experiences, I've had people I know in my life, relatives who have this background, who also show these negative feelings towards the gay community and it's based and they say it's based on their religion um but at the same time i myself am christian and don't have these feelings and i have met other christians who don't have these feelings all right so as we end out here uh please be awesome like these people send us emails at gmwpodcast at gmail.com follow us on twitter at gmwpodcast tweet at us please uh check out our youtube channel gmwpodcast that we actually did a reaction video this week, um, and ho- we're hoping to do a cool one for 1961 next week, which I'm excited about. Also, I think that was directed by Ryder Strong, so that's cool. Really? That's um, exciting. Is there anything else? The blog, uh, com, and of course, please rate and review us on iTunes by searching Kids Get Acquainted with the Internet, and we're going to finally reveal uh, our prize but before we do let's remind you all how you can get this super awesome prize yes so we have a little contest going if you want to win the super awesome prize all you have to do is write us a review on itunes and include the answer to this question which is what is cory matthews real name yep okay so the prize uh is a handmade recreation of the Feeny puppet used in a 
episode of Boy Meets World. Uh, yeah, so my friend is making this. They like to make puppets for fun. Um, we're hoping that it will be done by tomorrow morning, which, in which case we will post pictures on Twitter, probably tomorrow. Uh, okay, so the idea is we're going to draw from the, the from the people that actually answer the question on iTunes. Um, we're going to draw the winner. Do we want to do it next week, or do we want to wait a little bit longer? Depends on how many yeah. entries we Depending have. Depending on how many entries we have by next week. If we have a couple, then we'll probably draw it next week. And then once we know who it is, you should, you know, we'll, we'll contact you to figure out how to send it to you and all that stuff. So, but I think it's going to be really fun. I, I want one of these Feeny Puppets, and uh, you should too. Thank you for listening, and as always, remember... Dream. Try. Do good. Class Class dismissed. dismissed.